Merchant Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there is or not. I don't know if there's a black and white answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth? And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards? And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Ah, the way great hymns should be sung with a pipe organ. It's very biblical, the pipe organ. I'm pretty sure the word organ is in the Bible someplace, and that's good enough for most Christians these days to make a case for their preferences. (laughs) This is Wretched Radio. Question number one, did you celebrate Reformation Day? And if so, may I ask, what exactly did you celebrate? Because it falls in the middle of the week this year. Most churches probably didn't do much on Sunday, but perhaps as a good Protestant, you took the time to celebrate an unshackling of the Word of God that had been walled up behind Vatican City, underneath the possession and power of not just the Pope, but all of the clerics of the day. The clergy held the key to understanding anything about the Bible. Why? It was written in Latin. Not many people, including royalty, spoke that dead language, and the church was the one who dictated heaven, hell, and purgatory, which is why so many people were a wee bit timid about challenging the Catholic Church. There were a number of groups some downright heretical, others less so, or perhaps we would even call precursors to Protestant. But before Martin Luther nailed that thesis to the door, it was a terror. It was it was terrifying for Luther to question the church. It, it wasn't just a matter of getting kicked out of the church. It was a matter of getting kicked out of heaven and sent at best to purgatory to burn off your sins for challenging the church. And that is why we saw centuries of terrible teaching out of the Roman Catholic system until Martin Luther, a very brave fellow, came along and said, we got some issues that need to be sorted out. That took an awful lot of guts that not many people possessed before Martin Luther, and he went about the business of attempting to reform the Roman Catholic system. And it has changed the world. My question for you is, did you celebrate it? And if so, what did you celebrate? What exactly was the focus? Don't know. Maybe you watched some shows on one of the different Christian networks that are out there, like AGTV, AIGTV. What was the party about? What was was the big deal? And the reason that I ask this question is because I've been thinking a lot lately about really the point of just about anything we do as Christians. What, 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 do we, what, what is the aim here? What is the 
focus on Wednesday night at our church Bible study, which, by the way, it appears, it appears we're going to be having our first worship service on December 24th in the morning and in the evening. And if I have my druthers Christmas morning, too, because I, I like doing church a lot. And we were studying the great love of God from Heath Lambert, the doctrine of hell, how God actually teaches us about his love through the doctrine of hell. You say, whoa, what? Yeah, the Lord loves righteousness. The Lord loves justice. So when you consider the doctrine of hell, it really is an expression of God's love. And then then we got into the subject of God expresses his love toward us in faith. And as a part of that conversation, we were making our way through biblical hermeneutics. Don't ask. I know it sounds like a bit of a train wreck. We were making our way through biblical hermeneutics, and we tackled Jeremiah 29.11. This is the verse that so often gets taken out of context. I know the plans that I have for you, a plan to prosper and, and restore. So we used hermeneutical principles to take a look and see if that is the verse that you and I should claim as is, that God has a future plan and it's a good one. Hey, I don't know when it's coming. I don't know what it looks like, but it is going to be great because of Jeremiah 29, 11. Well, if you look at the context of it, it was very specific. It was written to a particular group of people, the Jewish people under the old covenant in a different language. And they were not living in America. They weren't even living in Israel. They had been scattered in chapter 29. They were, they were dispersed due to their lack of obedience to the Mosaic Covenant. But God, in the context, being faithful to his Abrahamic covenant, said, you're not going to be here forever. Even though he told just settle down, build homes, have kids, going to be 70 years. So settle in. But I know the plans that I have for you. And it specifically goes on to state, and I'm going to return you to your land. And I'm going to return you to the prosperity that you enjoyed back then. Question, is that a promise for us? Is that, can I take Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, I know the plans I have for you, a plan to prosper, and say, yes, that's what God is going to do for me. And the answer is, no, you can't. And the reason is it was written to a particular group of people at a particular time under a particular situation, under a particular covenant, two of them, really, the Mosaic and the Abrahamic covenant. We're new covenant people. Yeah, I think the Abrahamic covenant is still in effect, which is why we still care about the land of Israel and Jerusalem. But we're new covenant people. And you say, wait a second, though, that verse feels right. I like it. Uh, and I agree with you. It is a cool verse. And we shouldn't unhitch it because we're new covenant people. Instead, we come up with a principle. And the principle is when God makes a promise to us, he always delivers. Now, there's a principle that is gleaned right from that text. You can count on God. What he promises, he performs. Jimmy, that was a pretty good tweet right that, there. That was. I'm, send that one I'm doing that right now. The Southern Baptists will love the alliteration of that. <laughs> what he promises, he performs. And you can read that verse and go, here's an example. I don't need writing in the sky. I don't need more proof. There it is. 
And after 70 years, lo and behold, what did he do? He restored them to their land because God always makes good on his promises. Now, the question is, what are his promises for us? And it doesn't include Jeremiah 29, that he's going to return us to Israel because that was the promise for them. But the principle is God always delivers on his promises. So what are his promises to his saints? That he's going to grow us in holiness? Absolutely. That he is going to produce fruit of the spirit inside of it? Absolutely. That he will, he will never leave us nor forsake us. You can bank on it. Thanks to 2911 and Jeremiah, you can go, yep, 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 yep. He did it there. His word is good. I believe it. And I have comfort in that because my God always delivers because he doesn't lie. He's the truth teller and he has the ability to pull it off. And so as we were studying hermeneutics, I said to the gang that was gathered for this Alpharetta Bible Church, if, if any of us who are in leadership or serve as elders and pastors fail, to show us the point of a text as it points to Jesus Christ so that we experience some sort of, not just an emotional response, but a a response that could be one of conviction. It could be one of rebuke. It could be one of an encouragement, an exhortation, but to push us toward loving the Lord more than tag us on it. Because we could just study Jeremiah 29, 11 and go, see, look at how Joel Osteen takes that bad boy out of context. What a joke, these false teachers. Well, that's all valid, but it would, it would have missed something that could be an encouragement to the saints. God delivers. Look at the stories in the old. When you read Ezra and Nehemiah, don't look for leadership skills per se. Look at God's faithfulness to his promise. He pulled it off. He delivered it, brought him back to the land. That's your God. And so I told this group, please hold us accountable. Make sure that as we study the word, that as we see his hand in history, that it has the point of magnifying him so that we can love him more. And that's why I asked the question. If you celebrated the Reformation, what'd you celebrate? Bold and courageous Martin Luther? Certainly valid. Was it to see how? Uh, the, the, the church was brought to its knees by, by a, a rather common individual, so they thought, even though Luther was quite scholarly. Or did you just study the doctrine of justification? They reclaimed justification. Ah, infused versus imputed. We got imputed back. And that's good. And that is right. But did you connect it to Jesus? That, that justification was rediscovered. The justification that Jesus wrought the imputed righteousness that Jesus offers. The point is, when we go about the business of focusing on anything in Christendom, in the Bible, when we celebrate, there are many ancillary things that we can celebrate. But are we celebrating the one who wrought all of those blessings? This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms 
of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries, Preborn Ministries and their network clinics. They are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. All right, well, buckle up. Get ready. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Fabara is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical truth. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it, they're going to cover it this season, and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it. Get ready, because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash F-O-U-R. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty. And I asked and said in in American currency, how much does it cost? To have a kid come to a tomorrow club four times a month, so every single week. What what's the what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck. One dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Know your church fathers. Polycarp was a disciple of the Apostle John and the Bishop of Smyrna. He was a staunch defender of orthodoxy, combating the Gnostic heresies. Before his death as a martyr, Polycarp proclaimed, Eighty-six years I have served Christ, and he has done me no evil. How could I curse my King who saved me? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hold on a second. I'm holding my side and slapping my knee. This is Wretched Radio. <laughs> Go ahead, Jimmy. What? How did you celebrate Reformation Day? I bought some indulgences. No. Yeah, I indulged in Snickers and Reese's. No! <laughs> indulgences are alive and well, by the way. Those have not gone away. You think that the Roman Catholic Church still selling stuff? doesn't exist oh it most certainly does because some things haven't changed and incidentally i did read an op-ed piece believe it or not in cnn 
This is a woman, I think you could pro- probably call her a Roman Catholic feminist. Pretty, pro- If nothing else, a Roman Catholic progressive. And she was kind of disappointed because the big Roman Catholic synod just ended. The synod on synodality, which seems a little repentantly or a little repetitively. At any rate, it ended. And this woman was pretty disappointed because the current pope, who we think might actually be Catholic, didn't do much regarding pro- progressive issues like the role of women progressive issues like marriage. And so the the Roman Catholic system, even though it has a, well, <laughs> just want to make sure I'm being gracious. Uh, let's just at least say Marxist-leaning Pope isn't making much change, even, even though a lot of people think that he's liberal. He ain't doing much. And now, the Pope can pull off some things. The, the Pope is able to get away with some things. Uh, it was Pope Oh, maybe Benedict, I I think, who changed some of the language in the Nicene or the Apostles' Creed. And a lot of people didn't like it because it seemed to make it more complex and difficult for the common man. And he just stuck with it and pushed it through. And lo and behold, the language changed. Okay, yeah. But changing the core beliefs of Roman Catholicism, a nigh unto him. Possible to do that is a very, very big deal, and it takes years of concerted effort to pull that off. Why? Because the Roman Catholic Church holds the keys to truth, and tradition reveals that whatever they believed, that is right. Whatever was rendered down from the papacy and tradition, well, and the magisterium. You can't challenge that because to challenge any doctrine in the Roman Catholic system is to actually challenge the entire system. It it it, it isn't just a cause. It, it 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 it's 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 like whatever the doctrine is that you want to challenge in the Catholic system, you pull that leg out, the whole stool comes crumbling down. Why? Because the Roman Catholic foundation is Roman Catholicism. That you need that church. That's how you get to heaven. Through that church, by participating in the sacraments of that church, by being a part of that system. Uh, Otherwise, you're on the outs. And so changing Roman Catholic doctrine, hmm, very, very hard pressed to do that. And we need to remember that as much of an effort as there is these days to bring about the unity of evangelicals and Catholics, there Unless the Roman Catholic system changed, renounced the Council of Trent, we, we don't have unity together, I'm afraid. We, we aren't together because we aren't together on the essentials. That's why indulgences, not Snickers bars, <laughs> indulgences are alive and well these days. Got another question for you about the Reformation. I didn't need to play this, but man, the majesty of a pipe organ. Question, would the Reformers have celebrated Reformation Day? Perhaps you did, or at least pondered it or considered it. Probably didn't give yourself a bowl cut 
and put on itchy robes and pretend to be Martin Luther, but maybe you had some sort of Reformation celebration. Hopefully, you were celebrating the source and the reason for the Reformation. It wasn't just a reclaiming. Yeah, it was about, that, that was the mechanism. But it was about Jesus. That's it. That's what we celebrate. You would say, well, no, we got the Bible. The Bible was translated into the vernacular of the peasantry. Yep. And we can celebrate that recovery. But shouldn't we be celebrating not just the recovery, not just the Bible itself, but the one that that Bible reveals to us so that we aren't just celebrating the lesser thing? Nothing wrong with that. But we should always be celebrating the greater thing. And I, for myself, have observed this. And maybe this is an observation that you might want to consider about yourself or pastor about your preaching in your church. Are we just teaching? Are we just learning this stuff? And while it is not wrong to celebrate that Martin Luther banged the 95 Theses onto the church door at Wittenberg, are we remembering, though, that this was, this was about Jesus? This is about knowing God, having direct access to God, and not only that, but that he allows that and provides for that. That's what we ultimately should be celebrating. But my question is, would the Reformers have celebrated the Reformation? You say, why do you bring that question up? Because I was reading an article from a Puritan's mind. Easter, the devil's holiday. Whoa. And if you take a look at the history of Easter, and by the way, I love Easter. In fact, I think the church should love Easter more than Christmas. I think it's pretty obvious, and we all have to admit as Christians, we celebrate Christmas a lot longer with a lot more effort, a lot more food, and a lot more money than, than we do Easter. And we should ask the question, why? And I think the answer is, well, that's because that's what we do in this culture. And the world doesn't celebrate Easter, and it seems the church doesn't either. I'm a big fan of Christmas and Easter. Why? Because these are days that we can celebrate. Are we commanded to celebrate them? No, we're not. But is it good to celebrate them? Yes, it is. And you can think of other great acts of Jesus that we could celebrate. These two are pretty big, Christmas and Easter, life, death, the, the, the infinite becoming finite. And then God dying for sinners, those are worth celebrating. And I think we have biblical permission to do that because of the festivals in the Old Testament. That God didn't, the argument of the Puritans and the Reformers would be, hey, just celebrate Sunday. It's Sunday. That's, that's our celebration day. And anything else is a challenge to that. I say God didn't have that rule in the Old Testament. I mean, yeah, the Sabbath law was in effect, but he also instituted festivals, seven of them. They went on for a long time, every single year. They celebrated different aspects of what God did. They, they celebrated God, which is interesting because that's what we're supposed to be doing with our celebration. So while with all due respect to the Reformers and the Puritans, I love celebrating these holidays rightly, not in a worldly way, not incorporating silliness that has nothing to do with Easter, like the bunnies and the eggs. Celebrate Jesus on Easter. Nevertheless, from this article, Easter was not popular with 
Puritans, or the Pilgrim settlers in America. Neither Puritans or Pilgrims had used ceremonies associated with religious festivals invented in either pagan history or reinvented by Roman Catholicism. In fact, in America, it wasn't until after the Civil War that Easter kind of found itself a little traction here. The Reformers said, they for whom all days are holy can have no holidays. In other words, uh, every day is a holy day when you're in Christ. So there's no reason. In fact, they would probably say it's wrong and bad. Now, I suspect a lot of it might have been a reaction uh, to the Roman Catholic system, which were the inventors of these holidays as we know them, even the names taken from pagan rituals, the dates, the time. While that history is somewhat controversial, I think the the reformers would say, and that's a Roman Catholic thing. We just want to get away from all things Roman Catholic. And they would say, they for whom all days are holy can have no holy days. Post-Reformation pastors, theologians, following the reformers, abolished Easter. In England, 1647, Parliament headed by the Puritans at Westminster passed legislation abolishing Christmas and other holidays. And there's a long quote. The Puritans proposed a stricter observance of Sundays, along with banning the immoral celebration of Christmas and Easter and Whitsun and Saints Days. Holy days have no day than what God had specifically prescribed in the Lord's Day worship. It's even in the Westminster Confession. Festival days, vulgar, vulgarly called holy days, having no warrant in the word of God, are not to be continued. Would the reformers have celebrated Reformation Day? I, I, I don't know. They didn't celebrate Christmas and Easter. And with them, I would actually respectfully, punily say, I disagree. We can celebrate them. Not along. We can celebrate them. But if we do, let's remember who... We are celebrating. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start today with disturbing reports out of the state of Tennessee that students from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, were recently taught how to illegally obtain abortion pills from Indiana during a university-sponsored feminist seminar. Apparently, the presenter instructed attendees to use a VPN and encrypted messaging apps to cover their tracks and to keep their mouths absolutely, completely shut about it. I urge you to, well, I don't know if I even want to urge you to listen to this because it's going to make you angry. It made me fairly angry to hear what this lady was saying. She called crisis pregnancy centers nothing short of criminal. You can see it on Not The Bee. Of course, we shouldn't be surprised that this is promoted by academia. They're promoting lawlessness to advance a radical agenda. Another news, a top Hamas official declared that Palestinian terrorist groups are ready to repeat their October attack on Israel again and again and again until the Jewish state is annihilated. As believers, we have to continue praying for peace in Jerusalem in the face of all of these genocidal threats and stand firmly with our brothers and sisters in Israel. And now here's the portion of the newscast where I teach you something that you did not know and also teach myself something I did not know. Apparently, 
There are more than 100 bird species set to be renamed because, well, the current names are problematic. Problematic as in racist. Even our feathered friends are not safe from the woke mob. Suggestions include ditching terms that reference skin color, origins in other countries, or even scientists who don't hold perfect views. Of course, I don't think the birds themselves care very much about the human labels we place on them, but it looks like they're going to get politically correct makeovers anyway. I'm sure they're excited about it. Shifting gears now to Nancy Pelosi, former House Speaker. She was recently served with subpoenas relating to her husband's controversial stock trades. The details are still developing, but it perhaps shed some light on claims that Pelosi used insider government knowledge for personal gain. <sighs> That's not a big surprise to anyone, but time's only going to tell if they're actually going to be formal charges against her or not. And finally, we wrap on some uplifting news where abortions in Texas have plummeted to near zero since the overturning of Roe. A new report says that over 5,000 lives have been saved per month in the state of Texas remarkable victory for the unborn. And that has been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 529 AD. Benedict of Nursia establishes his monastic order outside of Rome. His written code of conduct, called the Benedictine Rule, becomes the most influential guide for centuries of monasticism in the West. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Not only was handsome Jimmy Hicks a disc spinner, he was a program director and he's back! This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, when you were doing the country music business thing. <laughs> that's, that's what we called it. <laughs> just country radio todd don't complicate things not only were you on the air you did mornings right i did then did you also do afternoons uh in, for a season yeah yeah, yeah which yeah, did yeah. you like better by the way the morning or the afternoon i'm a morning person so i preferred the mornings see i i i, I dig the afternoon yeah there are some there are some radio stations that actually take us and heiress in the morning mm -hmm. i don't get that i don't <laughs> think that i'm anybody's morning cup <laughs> <laughs> It, I'm like the, I'm like Mrs. Friel's alarm clock. She brought an alarm clock into our marriage that still sits on her nightstand. So this thing has got to be from the 80s. I don't think I'm exaggerating. When this thing goes off, that's that's what you are. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> so not only did you spin the disc, but you also were the program director. Correct. You are now going to play that role once again. Oh, goody. I opened up a treasure chest when I was looking for the Reformation stuff. I, I found a file that was like, oh, this has got so much cool stuff in it. We have I haven't opened this file seriously in years. And the 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 sound that we're going to hear courtesy of Jimmy's selection uh we maybe played years ago but wow is this got some good stuff so jimmy i'll read from the sound files and you just say yeah that sounds good okay we'll do that okay okay right. emo phillips joke it, if i remember it's about denominationalism from emo phillips you can google him if you're under the age of say i don't know 75 <laughs> ER deathbed scene from that TV show ER. Okay, yeah, yeah. Haley 
saying the Lord's Prayer. Don't feel like you've got to choose my daughter's sound file. Well, as long as I know it was Haley, I'll, I'll, <laughs> it's a consideration. Oh, 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 oh. Hillsong. Hillsong guy in London. That's the sound file. Oh, 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 oh. I don't want, I don't want to be guilty of payola here, but Jimmy. Would you please pick this one? I think I want to hear the Hillsong London guy. Yeah, he he was he's an actually was a pastor from Hillsong. This is when Ray Comfort took us on the European Death March, where the the two crews for Way of the Master season three, perhaps maybe four, went to Europe. I went to the Reformation sites. Ray and the gang they did some open air preaching, and they hit like thirteen countries in thirteen days. It was well, it was Ray Comfort, and I think. That, that the crew that I was on went to six or seven countries in 13 days. That was a breakneck pace. I don't know how the other group accomplished it without dying. And I ran into a guy in London who was a Hillsong pastor. I don't even know that the Hillsong branch is in business. And I chose those words specifically. I don't know if they're still in business because of the debacle in Australia. But this guy was, he was outside and I think they were like giving away stuff of no consequence. And I had a chance to talk to, did I mention it was the pastor at the Hillsong, pastor at Hillsong Church. Oh, this is going to be a a memory blast for me right here. Here we go. What is the message of Christ? Well, it's a guy, yeah, it's this guy in all the world and, you know. That's the command. What's the message? Message. Message is eternal, eternal, eternal life, uh, prosperity, hope, self-love, salvation, wow, uh, healing, wow, a whole bundle of stuff. But it's really to equip people and give them the resources to go out and affect the lives of the people around them and the communities which they live in. And what's the best way that I can affect the lives of people in my community? Well, it all comes from love, doesn't it? Really, at the end of the day, uh, and the conviction that you get from 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 love, from love helping others. people. Yeah, I mean, sort of doing all you can. I mean, there's obviously there's loads of facets that you could uh, you could talk about how how particularly. I mean, it's a bit of a vague question, that. But all right, hold on. No, <laughs> no, it's not a vague question at all. Jimmy, have you ever heard the gospel that this fellow articulated? I have not. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty pretty simple. It's good news. Jesus died for sinners. There was a lot more connected to it, and this is this is not uncommon. That many churches, not not just of the Hillsong stripe, but many churches make a dog's breakfast out of the gospel. They just keep adding and adding and adding. And if you heard what this fellow said, he mixed in sanctification. And he, he did mention eternal life, nothing about forgiveness of sins, nothing about Jesus dying on a cross for sinners. It was really a bunch of laws, frankly. And that is one of the reasons I think we see such a proliferation of false converts these days. People just don't preach the gospel right. You said two words that kind of jumped out at me. Prosperity. What kind of prosperity? Well, prosperity in life and prosperity in the workplace and prosperity in your family life. So if I become a Christian, I get prosperity in those arenas. Is that right? Well, I think becoming a Christian is a very organic process. I mean, contrary to a lot of other faiths, we accept what's been done. We don't win our place in heaven or okay. the favor of God by what we do. It's been done on the cross. So the whole that, okay, 
Okay. I can buy that. Like a blind knife that finds a squirrel in the drawer twice a day? The process of becoming a Christian is very much, certainly for me, on my own testimony, but for most Christians, if you speak to them about it, it's an organic growth thing. So okay, Hold on hold on a second. <clears throat> what I heard you say is, if I'm a Christian, I have prosperity in the workplace, in the world, financially? Well, not necessarily financially, but, there, but there's sort of a, a, an abundance of peace and trust that uh, you will be provided for. I mean, that's very biblical, but it's just... Uh, okay, help. Uh, no, that you'll be provided for, yes, but not to the level of wealth. Now, does the Lord bless some people financially? Yes, he most certainly does. In fact, you'd probably have to say in the West, unless you're going through a season of struggle right now financially, that he has blessed us all financially a a lot. But wealth is not the New Testament promise for believers. It's the promise that you'll have a peace that surpasses all understanding, even when you don't have wealth, as Paul articulated in the book of Philippians, particularly chapter four. I've had a lot of stuff. I've had nothing. He's writing from prison. Nevertheless, I can get through this. I can do all things, not dunk a basketball or start up a Fortune 500 company, but I can endure this and have joy through this. That's the promise. The prosperity that is offered to Christians, if we're going to understand the word prosperity to prosper, it's a spiritual prospering, which, by the way, that's better than money. We've got a lot of cover here in a little bit of time. All right. I become a Christian. I get fired the next day at work. Yeah. What went wrong? I don't think it's as black and white as that. Um, I think ultimately you, you, grace is about his strength and our weakness, and that's kind of what you get. So it's, I suppose... <clears throat> I suppose it's very much uh, a trust thing. You begin trusting like a child. It says in the Bible, he that doesn't accept the kingdom of God as a child does, doesn't really accept the kingdom at all. And I guess uh, you just stop doing things on your strength and start relying on his. Okay, but help me harmonize. I become a Christian and my wife gets cancer. My children get hit by a bus. What, 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 am, I, what am I missing? Where's that prosperity? Well, I suppose if you've got an eternal perspective on things, then, uh, I mean, questions like that, they're, they're transcendent questions, aren't they? They're very difficult to answer. Nope, they're not. They most certainly are not. That was the London Hillsong pastor. Now, he had some stuff. I mean, it wasn't like he was totally oblivious to anything. But my, my takeaway from it was it was such a dog's breakfast. And, and, and when they preach like that, hey, prosperity, anybody who's familiar with the word, Goes ka-ching. Oh, all good things. And do they ever talk about the bad things? No, because that doesn't attract goats. They don't talk about those things. The word sin, it's rarely ever found. You, you just don't hear any, any preaching about sin, conviction, guilt, and forgiveness in Christ. Therefore, the gospel is rendered rather impotent. Jimmy? Yes. You don't have to tell me what to play next. I don't have. I just know that you are going to pick my daughter. That, 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 right? That, that's true. Yep. You got all in heaven, hallowed be your name. All kingdom come, all will be done. And also has to be in heaven. Um, disasters, trespasses, forgive those who trespass against us. Um, 
darkness and lead us to nine from temptation. I can just, can you hear her brain working? <laughs> can you hear her brain working? Live us from evil and light us from the, um, and, uh, light us from the um, kingdom and the power and the glory and forever and ever. Amen. They never change. That is that is my daughter. I she's 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 a thinker, and she's not only thinking her thoughts; she's thinking what you're thinking <laughs> in anticipation of what you're going to express. Ah, if you got little ones like that, savor every single moment and record it. Write down what they're like, because you'll discover. You write down what they're like at four. That's what they're going to be like when they're 14 and 24 and 40. This is Wretched Radio. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Can we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare, would you please call them? If you're dealing with the health insurance blues, <laughs> please take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high, teledocs, Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today and to our ongoing monthly gospel partners. You're the foundation. You're the heartbeat of this mission. You stand firm with us, and it's not just a commitment, but it is a testament to your faith and dedication to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of people all over the world. And if you haven't yet quite made the leap to joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider doing so? No gimmicks, no punchlines, no hard sales here. I'm, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just giving you an honest to goodness invitation to be part of a mission that is changing lives all over the world. As we stand firm together, unwavering in this purpose, united in this mission, we are able to make a difference for eternity. Wretched.org slash donate is where you can find any answers to any questions you might ever possibly have on what it would look like to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. If you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible. Bible, so generously given with the help of gospel partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord, as well as my service to the Lord in my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, if you're not plugged into the Masters Academy International, everything is about long lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. 
You can learn more about the Master's Academy at wretched.org slash Bible, or if you prefer, wretched.org slash pastor. Books of the Bible. The book of Obadiah is a prophecy against the nation of Edom, who were descendants of Jacob's brother, Esau. Obadiah's message is clear. God will punish those who persecute his people. When you face troubles of any kind, turn to the Lord. Renew your faith in him, for he cares for his people. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back to the Jimmy Hour formerly known as Wretched Radio. All right, Jimmy, here we go. You didn't like the ER deathbed scene or Emo Phillips. That I, I didn't, didn't do anything for you? I didn't say I didn't like them. But you didn't pick. Okay, I'll give you more options. Okay. How did the New Testament canon develop? This is Michael Kruger from RTS. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. I like Michael. I do, I do too. I, I've never met the fellow. He's definitely a scholar, but he speaks, well, he's kind of like J.C. Ryle, the Anglican who died in 1900. Smart, that's obvious, but speaks in a way where it's like, I get that. I love guys that have the the ability uh, to take academics and and not like totally obliterate them into the, the level of kindergarten, but it, uh, it, uh, put it on a shelf where most of us can reach it. Michael J. Kruger, one of those guys. Ehrman often claims in regards to the New Testament canon. That- By the way, he's talking about Bart Ehrman. Bart Ehrman, who mm. actually, I think he went to Moody or Wheaton and got his a seminary degree. Bart Ehrman is now a rank atheist. Woo! And he makes a living fighting against Jesus now. Ehrman often claims in regards to the New Testament canon that uh, early Christians had a variety of New Testament canons at their disposal. He often talks about what he calls wild diversity within early Christianity, that in the early centuries of the church, People were reading all sorts of books. There was all sorts of different types of versions of Christianity with their own gospels and their own documents. And so it gives this impression that we have this sort of competing uh, uh, set of books where the New Testament canon was in some sense a literary free-for-all, where no one knew which were the right books and no one knew which were the wrong books and everyone was kind of doing their own thing. Now, that type of presentation certainly has a lot of rhetorical advantages and can certainly uh, sound overwhelming to any student that's not aware of the issues in early Christianity. The problem is that it's entirely misleading in the way it describes the way the canon developed. Yep. If one wants to portray the New Testament canon as developing in a way that was entirely haphazard and open-ended until the fourth century, that's simply not the case. When we look into the early centuries of the church, particularly the second century, we realize that the core of the New Testament canon was in place almost from the very beginning. What do we mean by core? What we mean is the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and at least 10, if not 13, epistles of Paul. For example, one of our earliest canonical lists, the Muratorian Fragment, dates from the late 2nd century, probably around 170 or 180 AD. In that particular document, it is clear that there's only four Gospels that are received, and it lists all of 13 of Paul's epistles. Hmm. Now, that's in the middle of the 2nd century. And what that tells you then is that the Muratorian fragment, that canonical list, didn't make up those things. It's obviously picking up earlier tradition. What we see then is that there's a core of New Testament books that were never really in dispute at all. There was never really a dispute about the Gospels in any fundamental way. It was these four from the very start. When it came to Paul's epistles, the core were in place from the very beginning. When we talk about any disputes at all, if we can even use that term, it really has to do with just a handful of books. Some of the peripheral books, 2nd and 3rd John, Jude, 
uh, and Second Peter are the primary books that discussions center upon. But to portray the New Testament canon as entirely open-ended is entirely misleading uh, because the core was there from the start. And if the core was there from the start, then decisions were already made about the divinity of mm-hmm. Jesus. Decisions were already made about who he was and what he came to do. Decisions were already made about the nature of the gospel message. Irregardless of what was decided about Second Peter or Jude, the trajectory of Christianity was already determined from a very early time. You can have confidence. The early church agreed the Bible you hold in your hands is the Bible. Not extras, not pseudepigraphal books, not apocryphal books. Nope. The ones that you have. Now, Jimmy, I know what you're thinking as program director. What am I thinking? You're wondering what I happen in my treasure chest of recently discovered sound files have anything from Bart Ehrman himself. Oh, yeah. I was definitely thinking that. I, I knew so. Makes great radio. It's, I hope so. This is Bart Ehrman. He does not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean this fellow, who makes a pretty handsome living fighting against the deity of Jesus Christ, doesn't deny the existence of Jesus Christ. Did Julius Caesar exist? Did Cicero exist? Did Socrates or Aristotle or Mark Antony? Almost no one questions whether these people existed. So why is there so much controversy around the question, did Jesus exist? I can assure you as a historian that whatever else you might want to say about Jesus, he certainly existed. The historical Jesus may not have been the person that people imagine today, but he was a real person and we can know some things about him. That is an atheist who's an historian Assuring you, yeah, he really existed. Yeah, I, you know what, Jimmy, and listening to his tone, now I don't know if it's changed over the years. I, he's clearly an atheist. He clearly puts in a lot of energy into writing and speaking against the deity of Jesus Christ. But he sounds like a pleasant enough bloke, doesn't he? he yeah, yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's just that remnants of being around all those Christians for so long. <laughs> all right, so here's Bart Ehrman. I don't know what this one is about. This is Bart Ehrman on the Colbert Show. Well, this ought to be a ride for sure. Why is the Bible a big fat lie and I'm an idiot for believing it? (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at Stephen Colbert, but sorry, that was kind of funny. (laughs) Why is the Bible a big fat lie and I'm an idiot for believing it? Scholars for a long time have said that the Bible is filled with discrepancies and contradictions. None that I read. Uh, right. None of the scholars I read, sir. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The Bible has books that claim to be written by people who didn't really write them. Uh, and the Bible no, it uh, doesn't. Uh, shows that, in fact, some of the earliest uh, teachings of Jesus uh, aren't what became the standard doctrines of Christianity. What are you that, talking that's about? Just, well, things like that. That's just, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. And the only reason that I can imagine that a smart fellow like Bart Ehrman would attempt to marshal together these uh, revisions of church history is just because of his attitude toward Jesus Christ. He isn't the only fellow who once professed to be a Christian who now spends a lot of calories trying to fight against Jesus. I think of Dan Barker. He's from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Dan Barker travels around the country. He runs a foundation warring against Jesus Christ, and he once used to be 
I guess you could call it a pastor. He traveled with Catherine Coleman. And Catherine Coleman's miracles, which she purported to do on stage, uh, he wasn't feeling it. And it dawned on him, I, I think I've got Dan's story right. He was traveling around with Catherine Coleman. Uh, she was a precursor. She was the female Benny Hinn. And she was supposedly doing miracles. And they all knew she wasn't. But the promises were there. You just have enough faith. You speak it. You believe it. And you're going to be healthy. And he was driving around following after the crusade. And his car broke down. And he found himself on the side of the road asking, where's the blessing for me? Where, where's all the good stuff for me? And he jettisoned his profession, even though it obviously was incredible. And now he spends his day fighting against Jesus Christ. There, there, there's, that can be the only motive. And making a living dealing with your animosity toward the one you want, once professed. All right, Jimmy. Yes. Are you ready to continue? I am. Playing. What are you playing? Program, <laughs> program director. That's it. All righty. Uh, this would be how to make your child a false convert. Oh, that sounds interesting. I don't think we have time for that one. So <laughs> no, they're not going to listen to that one. You should know better. I should. The, the timing. <laughs> got Paul Harvey's if I were the devil. If you. Oh, this is it. Oh, these are all so good. If you don't know, don't shoot. That's yeah. about, about a little pro-life clip from the Ancient of Days files. I think the default position has to be a pro-life position. Here's the reason why. There's only two possibilities objectively. Either that thing that you abort is a human person with a right to life or it isn't. And there are only two possibilities in your mind. Either you know what it is or you don't know what it is. So there's only four possibilities. It's a person and you know it. It's a person and you don't know it. It's not a person and you know that. And it's not a person and you don't know that. So what is abortion in these four cases? If it's not a person and you know that it's not abortion, abortion is fine. In the other three cases, it's not. If it is a person and you know that it's a person and you intend to kill it, abortion is murder. If it's a person and you don't know that it's a person, but you kill it anyway, knowing that you don't know that it is a person, that's manslaughter. That's like running over a man-shaped overcoat in the street thinking that it might be a human being and it might be just an overcoat, but you don't know. Or like shooting at a movement in the bush when you're hunting and it might be a deer and it might be your fellow hunter, but you don't know. Well, don't shoot for goodness sakes. <laughs> Third possibility, it is not a human being. It's not a human person, uh, but you don't know that. And you shoot anyway. Well, that's not manslaughter, but it is criminal negligence. Uh, if this room had to be fumigated and the fumes would kill little children, uh, and they asked the janitor, are there any little children in that room? And the janitor said, oh, I don't know. I don't care. Just fumigate. If there was a child in the room, it would be manslaughter. Even if it's not there, it's criminal negligence. So if you don't know, for God's sake, don't shoot. Uh-huh. Don't know, don't abort. But we do know. So therefore, don't abort. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>